Please remain standing for the reading of God's word that comes this morning from Exodus. You can see the selections there. We start at chapter 9, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You're still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh harried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Chapter 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell them in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail. And they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. And they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians. As neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. 
Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones may go with you also. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. From the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, that comes to us not just through the reading of the scriptures, but we believe that it's been coming to us even in the songs, call to worship, call to confession. Lord, we pray that as our service is filled with scripture, that so would be our very lives, our minds, our hearts, but not only to know them in the head, with the mind, but to put them to practice in our lives. So we ask now for your grace, that you would make us not only hearers, but doers of your word. We ask that you be with Brian as he explained the scriptures to us. We ask you for all these things in the precious name of our deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you may not be aware of this, but before I went to seminary, I was a firefighter paramedic for 10 years in North Dallas. So I have scores of firefighter illustrations with which you will get uh, familiar with over the next few years together, I hope. One particular day, uh, I remember a a call came in of a, a structure fire across the street from Central Fire Station where I was stationed was a, a Burger King. And Burger King, always cooking up those burgers our way, had those flame broiled burgers and there would be smoke that would be coming out the top of the, uh, the restaurant. And there was right behind this uh, Burger King a set of condominiums. And one of them caught on, day, uh, caught on fire one particular day, and it burned almost to the ground and then lit the next one to it on fire as well. Nobody called the fire department because they assumed that it was Burger King just cooking it our way. So we got this uh, initial call, and I was on engine one, which I was the first guy in on the nozzle, the guy, my partner behind me. We pulled up to uh, the structure, one building almost completely gone, the other one uh, well involved with a, a big hole in the top. It had vented itself and fire was leaping out of the roof. So we stretched our hoses as we were taught to do. We got to the, got to the uh, front porch, donned our SBCA uh, masks, and in we went. And it, as we got into the entryway, suddenly things got dark. It was still kind of light as far as brightness, but it was completely gray with all of the smoke. You couldn't really see anything in front of you. 
And then as we kept traveling in further and further and further, trying to find the, the orange stuff, the fire part, all the way to the back part of the condominium, and every little step that we took as we were crawling, it would get darker and darker and darker. We got back to the fire, we opened up our nozzle, we began to extinguish the fire, things were going well, until one bright little young rookie who happened to be driving engine three that day, the second incoming engine, decided he was driving a quint, which means it had a ladder on the top and also a tank and water. So he extended his ladder over the top of the condo and he dropped his nozzle right in that, that ventilation hole and he opened up his 1,000 gallon a minute fog nozzle and Everything came crashing down on me and my partner on the inside. And that proverbial phrase, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, I lived that particular day. It went from dark to darker to the absolute darkest thing I'd ever seen as everything came crashing down on us. We were lost inside the structure, turned around, found the hose, followed the hose all the way out the door, and I'm here today. Happy ending to the story. But friends, that's exactly what we find in this last triplet of plagues. Pastor Andrew's been leading us through numbers 1, 2, and 3, and then 4, 5, and 6. Today we have 7, 8, and 9, and next week the climax with the Passover. This last set of triplets, though, we find this intensity. Uh, it, 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 it's changing now from a nuisance now to the threat of, of disaster and death where it was just kind of a nuisance to have gnats and frogs and flies and stinky blood-filled water rivers and so forth. Now what we find is this intensity that increases as we move from seven dark to eight darker to nine absolute darkness. So we're moving from dark to darker to the absolute darkest of all. And God, through Moses, is continuing to do the same thing that he's been doing in plagues one through six. And that is that he is humiliating all of the foreign gods, all of the Egyptian gods. They had gods for everything. They had gods for gods and multiple gods for each one. And Yahweh comes to say, I'm going to humiliate all of those. I'm even going to use Pharaoh to do this so that all will see there is only one God and that one God is me. That the earth is mine and everything in it and that everyone is to bow down to me and to none other. Throughout this 7, 8, and 9, like we've seen in 1 through 6, what we find, though, is that Pharaoh has a partial or a qualified type of obedience. I'll give you this, but I'm going to hold on to that. He doesn't have a genuine repentance at all, friends. No genuine repentance because he really has remorse or regret over the experiences that, that, that are coming on him as each plague now intensifies. And there's no absolute repentance and falling prostrate before Yahweh and claiming him as the Lord over all. So the one word summary then for 7, 8, and 9 really could be judgment. Judgment. We have a loving, compassionate, long-suffering God who delights in lavishing His grace and mercy upon us as His children, but there comes a time when God says, enough is enough, and judgment is to come. 
We all need to hear this. Pharaoh needed to hear it that particular day. The Egyptians needed to hear it that particular day. Even the Israelites needed to hear it that particular day. And you and I need to hear it today as well. That he stands before us and says, there is none like me in verse 3. He says in verse 29, the earth is mine, I own it all. He says in chapter 10, verse 2, I want you to see these things to know that I am the Lord. That's the, that's the objective for us today, to see in the midst of this dark, to darker, and to utter darkness, the promise that God gives that He is with us, that He loves us, that He is our strength, that He alone is God and worthy of our worship. So as we look at 7, 8, and 9, the pattern is repeated of what we have seen in 1 through 6, and that is early in the morning, Moses and Aaron make their way to Pharaoh where he's washing usually, and then sometime later in the day, they go back into the court to hear what Pharaoh has to say, and then later in the day, God sends an action with a particular plague. And as has been the pattern, the first one is longer, the second one is shorter, and the third one is the shortest of all. And we find that in 789. And in fact, plague number seven is the longest of all plagues in all ten of them. But here is the point, and that point is that God would reveal his power in the earth, on the earth. Look at chapter 9, verse 16. He says, for this purpose I have raised you up, Pharaoh. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But here is why. Here's his purpose. To show my power. To show you my power. And not only that, but that my name might be proclaimed in all of the earth. So this first plague now, the plague of hail, that turns things dark as this intensity uh, takes off and increases now from a, a, a nuisance to actual destruction and death. He says, I am going to, I'm going to display my power in all of the earth. So look at verse 14. For this time I will send all my plagues on yourself. What does that mean? We've been having all of these plagues, right? But think about it. Animals have already died. They died in the fifth plague. And yet there are still animals alive that are out in the field that need to be brought in. And the hail is about to destroy all of the earth, all of the vegetation... And yet, the very next plague, there's locusts that are going to eat the vegetation. So what's going on here? If, if the plague is already wiped it out, why are we continuing to read? And that's what he means by verse 14. This time I'm going to send all of my plagues. Because all doesn't always mean all meaning everything. Sometimes all means all of a particular group. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all the world should be taxed. Didn't mean that the entire world was taxed, but the Roman Empire. Or when the disciples went and said, Jesus, there's a guy named John, John the baptizer, he's down in the Jordan River and all mankind are being baptized. Didn't mean everybody in the world was being baptized, but all of that particular region. So now what we find here is this, we have seen God displaying his power through all of these different plagues, but now what he says is, it's about to change. I am ramping this up. And all of these plagues are now going to turn to destruction and eventually to death. So verse 16 is what he means. This purpose, I have raised you up 
raised you up for this purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all of the earth. But look how he goes on to say, as Pastor Andrew told us last week, 18 and 19, Behold, this time tomorrow a very heavy hail is going to fall, so you need to go, therefore, and get your livestock out of the fields, your servants out of the fields. Here's the point. There was still grace. Even though he is, he is moving, he's intensifying these plagues now to destruction, God is still a God of grace and mercy. And he says, if you will but just listen to me, the one who has power over all things, go and get them out of the field and get them into shelter. There is still grace in the midst of God revealing his power and his majesty. So he says to Pharaoh, this is the reason why I have kept you around. I raised you up. Literally translated, it is the reason why I have maintained you alive. I've maintained you alive. We read this same verse in Romans chapter 9, where we read the beautiful doctrine of election when the twins, Jacob and Esau, before either one of them had been born, before either one did anything good or bad, that God might display his power in election. He said, I raised Pharaoh up for this purpose. What purpose? For the sake of my children, for the sake of my people, for the sake of those that I came to give my life for, Jesus would say. And notice as well in verse 20 and 21, now, this, this beautiful picture of the inclusion of the Gentiles as well, because it's not simply the Israelites that are being saved. But now there are those in Pharaoh's house that actually are hearing God's word. They feared the word of the Lord among the... There, there was fear among the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, and they hurried out to their slaves and to their livestock, and they responded in the midst of this proclamation. But I want you to see Pharaoh's response... Pharaoh's response then comes in verse 27. By the way, think about this, though. When he, calls, when he calls Moses and he says, come and stop all of this. Pray to the Lord your God. Look at verse 27. This time I've sinned. The Lord is right. I am wrong. My people are wrong. You plead with the Lord and stop this thunder and this hail. He's not confessing his sin, is he? I mean, if you really look at it, this time, this time I've sinned. Numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Now, there, no, there was no sin on my part. But now, this time, I've sinned. And so, because of my sin, you go and you plead for me. He's not going to plead himself. He's not going to ask for his own forgiveness. He wants to trust on someone else to do it. And that's exactly why Moses would say in verse 30, I, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. We haven't read that phrase, Lord God, those two names together since Genesis chapter 2 and 3, since the creation and fall. We've read the Lord our God or the Lord the God of the Hebrews, but we've not read Yahweh Elohim together since Genesis 2 and 3. Yahweh, the covenant making and the covenant keeping God. Elohim, the God who created all things, all that there is. So Moses is saying, you don't have any genuine repentance at all because you are not bowing down before Yahweh Elohim. I come from North Texas, you know that. There are two certainties, two absolutes in North Texas. You're going to get hailstorms, and it's gonna be, there's going to be two results from that hailstorm. 
we would get hail oftentimes the size of marbles, but sometimes the size of golf balls, and even sometimes the, sign, uh, the size of, of, uh, of, of baseballs. And undoubtedly, every time a storm was coming through, wherever it was on the map, you, could, you can bet that the newscaster is going to show you some footage, some video footage of somebody who videoed out their back door all the splashes in their swimming pool and how the splashes of the water were going higher and higher because the, the, the large size of the hail, uh, the hail bolts that were falling down from the sky. That's one absolute. You're always going to see that uh, on, on the video. And the second thing is, even if it didn't hail at your house, your insurance is going up. <laughs> Did to me. I had to change my roof a couple of times, but there were storms that would come through. I got no hail at all, and still my insurance went up. Because somebody was going to have to pay for all of the hail damage on that roof across town, or the dents in the cars across town, even though I didn't experience. Here's my point, friends. Think about Pharaoh. He thinks he's acting alone in rebellion against God, right? No, he's not. Everyone is being affected. Everyone in his empire, in his kingdom, everyone in Egypt is being impacted. The consequences of his rebellion, his failure to bow the knee to Yahweh Elohim, everybody else is, is, is experiencing it as well. Unless we think that's not the case, look at how chapter 10 then begins. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the, hardness, uh, the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. So here's the reason for the plagues, that I may show the Egyptians, but not only for them, so that you might tell in the hearing of your sons and grandsons how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what I have done among them so that you too may know that I am the Lord your God. There are consequences for our rebellion and our sin. It doesn't simply affect us. So we move now from this dark hailstorm into a darker now uh, locust storm as we move now into, into chapter 10. Look at verse 15 of chapter 10. They covered the face of they as the, the locusts. By the way, a locust eats its own weight in vegetation every single day. One locust, how much it weighs, eats that much vegetation every single day. So they covered the face of the whole land, and the land was even darker, darkened by all, uh, and they ate everything, all the plants in the land, all the fruit from the trees, and so forth. So now we're moving now from this darkness of this hailstorm to a darker sense with all of these locusts. Can you imagine how many locusts this would be that would cover the skies and turn everything to complete darkness, even to the point, back up in verse 7, that some of Pharaoh's own servants would say, oh, come on, let the man have his guys and let them go. Can you not see that Egypt is completely ruined? What little is left is not much at all, and we're even going to lose that in this total destruction. Will you not let them go? And look at Pharaoh's response. Who all is going to go, he asks in verse 9. Oh, we have to take everybody, Moses says. Male, female, all of our herds. And he says, verse 11, no. Go, but you take only the men with you. This partial, this partial qualified obedience. I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you that. 
I'm going to hold on to that. Friends, with this language back and forth of God hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh hardened his own heart, we must never be guilty of thinking, oh, poor old innocent Pharaoh. Poor old Pharaoh, he couldn't help it. It's like Flip Wilson theology, the devil made me do it. God hardened my heart. That is not the case. That's why it goes back from one to the other. God hardened his heart for this very purpose to reveal his power. But then Pharaoh hardened his heart because there was no genuine repentance. There was only regret for the things that he was having to experience. His refusal to bow the knee that eventually turns everything upside down. Verses 12 through 15 of chapter 10, you read the word all, coal, all over and over, all the earth, all the earth, all the earth. God is showing through his power complete destruction. And to reverse the things, do you remember back at the end of Genesis when Joseph was in Egypt and all of the Egyptians left the promised land and went to Egypt? Why? Because there was abundance in Egypt. There was prosperity in Egypt under Joseph's leadership when he got into Potiphar's house. And what a different picture we have now. A reversed picture from what we had just one book before. John McKay, a commentator, puts it like this. The ordered world of Egypt with all its abundant resources is now in disarray and complete confusion and still, Pharaoh will not acknowledge the power of God and his right to rule in every human affair. So my question for you, dear loved one, is this. What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you're holding on to that you're saying to Yahweh Elohim, I'll give you that. But I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to my money. I'm, I'm going to hold on to my health. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to my relationships, the ones that I want to have. I'm, I'm going to hold on to the substances that I want to use that bring me some kind of satisfaction in my life. I'm, I'll give you that, but I'm going to hold on to this. What is it in your life, dear friend, that you're holding on to? That you have not yet completely bowed the knee to the Savior so that you can hold on to this. We move from dark with the hailstorm, darker with the locusts, and now complete darkness with the, with the darkness that God gives in the ninth plague. Look at verse 22. Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness over all, of the, land, over all the land. Friends, there's no good, better, and best in Hebrew, or dark, darker, and darkest or holy, holier, and holiest. If you want to emphasize something in the Hebrew language, you just repeat the word. So we have holy, holy, holy from Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, holy, 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 or holiest. And so that's what we're finding here, dark to dark darkness, pitch black darkness, the proverbial hand in front of the face that you cannot see anything at all. And it lasted for three days Three entire days. Can you imagine that, though? Think about this now. It, the, the text says that they didn't even leave their house because 
only evil took place at, at nighttime. It, there wasn't some partial light like there is for us. You lose power in your house, you walk outside, and your next door neighbor's got his or her front porch light on. There's still some kind of illumination. Or we have lights in our, in our homes. We have night lights and so forth, the stars, the moon. We have some kind of illumination. But we're talking about dark darkness. We're talking about pitch black. We're talking about nozzle or engine three nozzle sticking right down the roof and blowing complete darkness down on all of Egypt. And so people would say then, when the sun would go down, that it was a picture of death. But when the sun would come up, it was a picture of resurrection. It was a picture of life. And so at nighttime, they would lock their doors. They had gates around the city. They would lock the city gates because only evil took place at night in darkness. And so they were protecting themselves. But the text tells us three days, such that they didn't even get out of their houses for three days. They couldn't see anyone that was standing right in front of them. Even the food chain, the food chain would have been affected with no light at all. And here's the point. Everything now is affected by our sin. Just like the fall, everything was affected by the fall. In our rebellion, in Pharaoh's rebellion, everything has been affected physically, but also spiritually. Because the greatest god among all the Egyptian gods was Amon-Ra. He was the sun god. And even Pharaoh, all of the Pharaohs were, were thought to have been descendants from Amon-Ra and to be God deity themselves, to be a light to their nation, to the nation of Egypt. So everything now has been affected physically and spiritually. God Yahweh Elohim is now humiliating even the biggest God among all of these gods to say there is only one and that one is me. But look how Moses, or not Moses, Pharaoh responds. Apparently he's, he's had enough now, verse 28 and 29. Pharaoh said to him, get out of my face. I don't want to see you ever again. And when I do see you, you're going to see me and you're going to die. And Moses says, it is as you say. I'm not going to see you again, but when I do, it's you who is going to die. No repentance. C.S. Lewis put it like this, this great book, The Great Divorce. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God... Thy will be done, and those to whom God says at the end, Thy will be done. Pharaoh refused to bow the knee, not poor, poor, pitiful Pharaoh, but he refused to bow the knee that affected everything, everyone in his land. Who was affected by the, this darkness? All of the Egyptians. But notice it said they had light in Goshen. They had light where God's people were. And here's the promise I want you to grab hold of, friends. That even in our utter darkness, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ Jesus. Even in our complete darkness, God is 
full of grace and mercy and delights in giving us time to see our sin for what it is that we might repent of that sin and fall prostrate before him and say, you alone are Yahweh Elohim. You alone are God, the only one true living God. Isaiah will later say it after this account. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And Jesus himself would say, I am that light because I am the light of the world. But friends, listen very carefully. The last book of the Bible, Revelation 15 and 16, gives us more plagues that are to come on the last day, the last judgment day. There are more plagues to come, and so the question is, will you repent? Will you repent instead of just having regret or remorse, a qualified or a partial obedience? Will you have complete obedience to Yahweh Elohim and bow the knee to Him? There is still time. That's the grace that God has given to us. We, we start things pretty easily and we end things pretty easily, don't we? We start a race, we're all ready to go, excitement, adrenaline, and we take off. And we get all worn out in the middle, but then we turn the corner and we see that finish line and we press on and run to, through the, the, the tape there. We, we start well, we end well. But what about in the middle? But that's where we are today. We're living life in the middle before Revelation 15 and 16. But here is God's grace and mercy. There's still time. The sun came up this morning, meaning that all of God's elect have not bowed the knee. And so there is still time, still time for genuine, true repentance, to hate your sin for what it is and give your full life, everything, to your Savior, Yahweh Elohim. What is it in your life, friends, that you're still holding on to? I want you to leave with the words of Mr. Spurgeon who would say this to you like he said to his congregation years ago. Forget about Pharaoh and only think of yourself right now. Let the Lord Jesus Christ himself with the thorn-crowned head and the pierced hands stand by the end of your pew and looking right down into your soul say in his matchless tone of music, the music of the heart of love, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me. Let go of it. Confess it. Repent. And experience the fullness of the light of the gospel of grace in this in-between time as we live each day in the majesty and glory of Yahweh Elohim. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that even in the midst of darkness like plagues 7, 8, and 9, you remind us over and over again that you are a God of light, a God of love, a God of mercy, a God who loves his children, promises to protect them, to provide for them. So Father, let us hear that voice yet again this day as we bow the knee to you, find our complete sufficiency in Christ alone. As we, the people walking in darkness, now turn to this glorious light and live in that light 
today and every day. Do that for your own glory's sake, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen.